Okay, all Britain, you're up next. You know, how is it you still get anxious? Seriously, how long have you been doing this? Besides, at the end of the day, what you say won't really make a difference. But I think I'm doing what God wants me to do. Really? Anyone can do what you do. Besides, there are people who are much better leaders that God has truly gifted. Okay, 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 get focused. God, help me to communicate help. If you were a better teacher or preacher, you wouldn't need help. Maybe you're not prepared enough. Maybe you haven't studied hard enough. Maybe God hasn't really spoken to you. Why don't you just give up and throw in the towel? Just think how many of your friends have left ministry in this last year. You should too. You're not needed here. You're an ineffective and poor leader. And help people? You can't help them because you can't even help yourself. God needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Okay, okay, get it together. You have to preach. And it's a good thing they don't know what you're thinking because they would probably want nothing to do with you. Let's go. Let's go. You can do this. Smile. They'll never know what's going on in your head. Anyone else ever have an inner dialogue that runs in your head? The, the side that says you are good enough, that Christ is enough, and then the side that says you will never be enough. You know, for the, the last year, I have talked to so many people who have struggled. Struggled with questions and struggled with fears, struggled with inadequacy, struggled with anxiousness. And the more I've heard people talk about where they are, the more it's hurt me. Not because I'm in a better place than they are, but probably because I'm in the same place they are and afraid to talk about it. Afraid to say, here's who I am and here's what's going on in my life. See, I'll just tell you, for the last year plus, has been the hardest years or hardest year of ministry of my life by far. There has never been a year that has been more difficult in leadership and ministry in my entire life until this last year. And those thoughts that, that you heard, that kind of inner monologue, is something that has just played in my head as Satan has had a filled day in my life. Going through trying to lead through the uncertainty of COVID and all of the, the craziness in our world and our country, trying to figure out what we're doing with our kids at home and whether they go back to school or not, trying to figure out how we parent in 2021. With all the crazy stuff that happens in our world that our kids are exposed to. To getting COVID myself and really struggling through 
that time, and even to the point where I still have some struggle today with the mental fog that COVID caused, to now struggling with depression and anxiety that the last year has brought on. And it's funny, I was talking to our our shepherds Wednesday night and just trying to be really vulnerable and honest with them as to where I am. And I said, there's a part of me that's ashamed of the struggle that I'm having. Because every week I'm the one that stands up here and, and tries to look like I have it all together And yet some of those days I'm standing here just crumbling on the inside. And smiling and saying, hey, I'm good, how are you? And I'll just be honest, for the last several months, I haven't been real good. You know, for the last year I've heard many (laughs) complaints But the one I've heard the most is how tired they are of masks. How people just want to get rid of them. And I think it's ironic in church that we complain about having to take off these masks. Because it's something that we've never really had a problem with before. Because we're comfortable with everyone else thinking we're perfectly fine and not dealing with our own stuff. And I don't know where you are in this journey. Maybe you are in a great place, and I am so thankful for that. But I know from experience of talking to people, there are numerous people who are not, and who are struggling. And we don't talk a lot about what goes into our mind, and what we think about, and what we dwell on. But in this series, I want to focus on the battlefield that is the mind. Because here's the crazy thing. Talking about all the stuff that I've been going through personally, I can tell you how to get out of this place for the most part. Because I've had the classes. My, My degree, actually, that hangs in my office is for psychology. And I started my master's in it. I know how to tell people. And I know what scripture says. And maybe that's why it makes it so difficult to admit I am where I am. That this is a struggle. And in this series, I want to focus right here on the war of prayer. Renewing our mind, reclaiming our heart, and restoring our soul. Because whether you're in a bad place or not, I can promise you this, at some point you will be. And the place that we are as a country, a nation, a city, a church, did not get here just simply by our actions. We've arrived at this place because of our thoughts. Because of the battle that goes on every single day between our ears. And what I do know is your strongest thoughts 
will determine the direction of your life. The thoughts that consume your mind, that consume your heart, consume your soul, that that drive everything you do will determine the direction you move. And, And so then how do we move those strong thoughts that we have that impact and affect everything else in our life in a healthy direction? You know, this cult and cult, amazing, amazing, amazing job. Thank you so much for reading for us. As Colt read from Philippians, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says this, think about such things. That we would focus our mind on these things that are true and pure and noble and lovely and admirable, excellent, that 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 would consume. And and so how do we get out of that? Well, it's easy. We just allow these thoughts to consume our mind. Right? Easy. Y'all got it. You can go home. Unless it's not that easy. Unless knowing is not just simply where it starts. Because those typically aren't my strongest thoughts. Those typically aren't the things that consume my mind. And our strongest thoughts move us towards patterns. They move us towards patterns, and the patterns cause problems. We had a dog, and I'll say I got a dog. His name was Kramer. Um, right after, right before, I guess we got married, and Kramer was a black lab. Um, got him when he was about eight, ten weeks old, and we took him home and we let him live inside the house until he started to get a little bit older, and as labs do, started shedding everywhere. And so we moved him outside into the backyard. And this was actually, um, I, I bought Kramer, I told my wife, to pick up women. <laughs> I picked up one woman ever with her, with him. She's sitting here this morning. But we put him in the backyard, and Kramer develop some ruts. Anyone have a dog? In their backyard, they can tell the pattern that the dog typically travels. For Kramer, it was simply around the outside of the fence. And as he got older, he got a lot smarter, and he started figuring out how to get outside the gate. And so I went to Tractor Supply in Cleveland, Texas, and bought a roll of wire and an electric fence. And I set it up around the perimeter of the fence so that Kramer would not get out. And so I took him and put him in the garage in a crate, set up the wire so he would leave it alone while I was doing it, and then I released him into the backyard. And he immediately ran to the fence and touched the wire and jumped. And then he ran to the other side and touched the wire and jumped. Then he ran back to the other side and peed on the wire and really jumped. And 
Kramer never went within five feet of that wire again. In fact, if you got close to the fence, he would go crazy barking and barking and barking to let you know that you were fixing to get shocked because he wanted to warn you of what was to come. And I thought what was really interesting is we had this rut around the outside of the fence. And, and you would think it would just have moved in, but what happened with the wire on the fence is the wire or the, the rut actually moved. It moved to the very center of the yard. And right through the center of the yard, there was a rut that would go to the back gate and created a new path along the back gate towards the alley where Kramer would pace up and down and up and down and then head right back down that rut. And the rut was there, and if you have a dog, you know it's really, really difficult to get rid of those ruts. You, you can't just put new grass in and think it's going to grow because what happens is those ruts keep getting retreaded over and over and over again. And for all of us, we develop those ruts in our life, those unhealthy patterns. Maybe the struggle for you has been bad grades. And you think about the patterns in your life and the, the thoughts that you had. And maybe it's the thoughts of I'm not good enough and I can't do this. Maybe it's the thoughts of I'm lazy or I'm a bad student. And those thoughts will lead us to patterns. And those patterns start to become problems. Maybe, maybe you have an addiction and these thoughts of I'll never break three, free, I'll never be able to get out of this, I'll never be able to step away are so persistent in your mind. Maybe it's a broken marriage and the thoughts that consume your mind are I'm not good enough or this can't work out or it's the, the problem of my, my wife or my husband. And these thoughts create negative patterns. And these negative patterns start to impact, impact our life. Maybe it's in fitness. Maybe these struggles that we have are because the thoughts we have have created unhealthy patterns. See, the problem is the pattern. The problem that we have is these unhealthy patterns, but these unhealthy patterns are caused by unhealthy thoughts. And these unhealthy patterns create unwanted ruts, ruts that are difficult to get away from. You know, psychologists would say there's a, a, a way that you go back and you, you look at this from a, a cognitive perspective, right? And the, the first part of this is what we think. What we think affects what we feel, and what we feel affects what we do. And this cycle will repeat itself over and over and over in your life. You, you start to think about things, and it affects how you feel, and it affects what you do. You start to think, I'm always going to be alone, I'm never going to find someone, and it leads us to feelings of depression, and then we start to do things that really reflect how we think and how we feel. But, but 
at the higher level, the Bible talks about this interperson. This inner person that lives within us. And it talks about it in terms of heart, soul, and mind. Heart, soul, and mind. And what a psychologist or psychiatrist would say is what we have to do to fix this pattern, to break out of this cycle, is hijack either our thinking or our actions to renew our heart, mind, and soul. That we can't just simply rely on what we feel. That we have to change either what we think or what we do. But as I said earlier, that cycle is so difficult to get out of. Because those thoughts get into our head and it creates this battlefield that is so difficult to traverse. So how then do we hijack our thoughts and our actions and move them towards a Christ-centered thought process, a Christ-centered mind, so that our life reflects Christ in what we do, and so that the way we think and what we do imitate Him. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about this very thing. How do we move our thoughts in a healthy direction? How do we step outside of these unhealthy patterns to create a Christ-centered life? He says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We're a part of the world, but we don't fight like the rest of the world. Going on, he says, The weapons we fight with, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they, he's speaking of the weapons, have divine power to demolish strongholds. So the weapons that we fight with are not the same weapons that everyone else in this world looks to to wage war. They're different. And these weapons have divine power. And this word divine power is actually translated the, the power of God to demolish, to crush strongholds. Now, a stronghold, this is an ancient stronghold, um, is a fortress really designed to be an impenetrable fortress. And it was usually set up high on a hill so that people could not get to and the purpose that was that no one could get inside. And see, here's the problem. For so many of us, those strongholds have set themselves up inside our mind. And it is so difficult for anything to penetrate them. They become what consume us. Those lies that I was telling you I've been listening to over the past several months have created this stronghold within my mind that is so difficult for anything to penetrate. For anything to get inside. And they start to affect how you feel. And they start to affect what you do. These weapons... These weapons that are not like the world's weapons, 
They have the power of God to demolish these strongholds. And then he says this in verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And I think when we hear this, we think about outside only. Things coming from outside of ourselves. But I think so many times this battle is fought right here. It's fought right here. And the problem is we don't acknowledge that it's even a battle. Right? Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood later on in, in um, Ephesians. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and the principalities of this dark age. There's this battle going on inside, and it is a battle for your heart, soul, and mind. And if you ignore the battle, it will consume you. And so he says, we demolish, verse 5, the arguments and every pretension, these thoughts that set itself up against what we know about God and his truth. And then he says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's almost as if he says, we take these thoughts, we pull them out of our head. All right? This is kind of the visual image he, he would want you to have. We pull these thoughts out of our head in a way that we could like literally hold on to them. We look at them. We examine them. We, we ask if that is true, if that is right, if that is good, if that is no. Is that of God? Is that of Christ? We look at it. We examine it. And if it is, we take it captive. We hold on to it. We've examined it, we hold on to it, and we allow that to begin to consume our thinking. And if it is not, right, this is the easy part, we just get rid of it. We just make it go away. And I think for so many of us, and I'm speaking for myself, we've never really talked about what we think deep inside and we've never talked about how do we take that thought captive but there's a purpose in us taking it captive and for that consuming our mind it's to make it obedient to Christ see the whole purpose of looking at our thoughts and examining them is to move us closer to Christ to make us look more and more like him every day. But the problem is we listen to the lies. We listen to the lies. And I want you to remind, I want to remind you, Jesus is talking to disciples and some other religious leaders who are really making it difficult for people to follow Jesus. And in John 8, he says this. 
You belong, he's talking to these leaders, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Like Satan works so hard to consume your mind because he knows if he can control your mind, he can control your feelings and your actions. He knows that if he can control my mind, he can control what I do. And he can control what I say. He can control really the effectiveness that I can minister with. Because I want to believe his lies rather than the truth of God. And I wonder how many of us allow that inner monologue to run on repeat in our mind. How, how many of us allow that to control what we do? So, if that's the problem, that we listen to Satan's lies rather than the truth of God, how do we get those out and the truth in? The first thing is this, we identify the lie. We identify the lie. To do this, you have to do a thought audit. And I'll just tell you right now, as I said, this series is so incredibly personal to me because it's not one of those series where I'm on the other side looking back and saying, okay, here's how. This is one of those series where I'm right in the middle of it and the things that I'm talking about are things that I've been doing. You identify the lie. You you take captive every thought and write it down. And you ask yourself, is that the truth of God or is that a lie of Satan? What, What is it that you are listening to? What is it that you're allowing to control you? And over the last several weeks, I've been telling the elders like, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling with these thoughts, and here are these lies that I'm listening to. I think it was David last week that asked me, what are the lies that you're believing? And I just opened up a document on my iPad, and I pulled it out, and I just started reading them off. Because I've been trying to go through everything that I think about. What's a lie? What's a lie? What's a lie? What, what is a lie? What, what is not the truth? What what lies are you listening to? Maybe you listen to the lie that God can't be trusted. That you're going to have to do it on your own. That that if you don't step up and if it's not your strength and your power and your intellect, then you'll never be enough. 
Maybe the lie you're listening to is you are defined by your very worst moment. That, that moment I had years ago still hovers over me. It still hangs over me. And it still defines who I am. Maybe the lie that you listen to is now your life is defined by divorce. And because that stands over you, because that hangs over you, you could never be enough in this world. Maybe the lie you believe is you are alone. And you don't have anyone. And no one cares about you. Maybe the lie that you, you believe is you don't matter. That your life doesn't have a purpose. But we identify those lies. We look at those lies and we hold them up and we ask, does this reflect the truth of Christ or is this a lie of Satan? And then we make it obedient to Christ. How do we, we, we get rid of the lie, we identify the lie, and then we replace it with truth. And that's where we're going to get next week. But before we can get there, you've got some homework to do. And if you have notes, there is a place there for your homework. What are the lies that you're listening to? What are the lies that you've been believing? You know, I said this series is personal. There's so many stigmas. that come with depression. And I thought, this is what it's going to look like. And one of the lies that I've been listening to is you should be ashamed that you're struggling with this. You should be ashamed of yourself that you're not in a better place. And I want to stand here this morning. And just say, I'm not okay right now. And that's okay. I think I'm in a better place than I was a month ago. But I still don't feel like myself. And I'll just tell you, it's hard getting up here and speaking any week. 
But lately, it's been really difficult. And today was difficult. But I'll just tell you, I'm tired of the masks. I'm tired of being a church that wears masks. For people who come hurting and searching feel like they're all by themselves because everyone else is in a better place than they are. Because if you're here and you're hurting and searching, I'll just, I'll just tell you, there are a lot more people who are where you are than what it first appears. Because I'm one of them. And this morning, I wanted to kind of just end with saying to you that if you're not in a great place right now, it's okay. There's a place for you here. And you matter. And your life has purpose and meaning. And yeah, you aren't enough and I'm not enough, but Christ is enough. And so as we wrap up this morning, we're going to sing a few songs. We're going to have our shepherds and our staff, um, their, their spouses, um, if they can. Well, let's just do shepherds and spouses because this morning in the back that would love to just pray for you. And as we finish in, in just a few minutes singing, um, Ron, one of our shepherds, is going to come and pray over us. And maybe you don't want to talk to anyone. Maybe you're just struggling with the lies and, and what you believe and what Satan has been saying and speaking into your life. And you just want someone to pray over you. Feel free to come sit up here on the front few rows. Um, just to simply say, I'm, I'm not okay right now. I'm not in a great place. Or if you need some time with a, a shepherd, just to talk with and pray over you. They will be in the back and they would love to pray over you to help you. Whatever we can do to help you as you follow Christ, we would love to do this morning. As we stand and we sing.